attention bar patrons. Happy hour has begun. Drinks are our half price, and it's time to loosen up from your work week. Show some love to your bartender, that lovable loudmouth with absolutely no filter, Trevor Garner. What do you know about this world and all its demands? Sometimes it's hard to face it. What are your future plans? Get off your throne. Get off your Trevor's happy hour is on with Bob Zaney. Let's see if Bob gets any more perspective than Rodney does. I thought he was here. I heard there was a rumor he was in the house. Welcome one of my favorite comics, my hero, the funniest guy in the business today, Bob Zaney. Wonderful. There he is, Bob Zaney, Fred Willard. Thank you. Yep, Fred. Well, thank you, Trevor. I appreciate that. And a lot of people don't know this. Here's a fun fact about that scene. It was very expensive to make because those crickets were union. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you, I've got yeah. – uh, this is Trevor's happy hour. we got Bob Zaney on the phone, and he's, uh, he's doing a dry bar special now. Um, I guess where you – uh, I, I, I've done the dry bar special. You've done it. But, okay, so you're on tour like after this week, right? Yeah, I'm headed to Kansas, and then I'm headed to Michigan, and then I'll be in Vegas the third week of uh, April at the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana Yeah, all week long. You and I, I I've, the reason I got your numbers, I was digging through a box, and it had a bag in it, and it had a postcard that says, Welcome to West Hollywood, and you were pointing at the Gay and Lesbian Center. And I wasn't pointing. I was standing, I was standing, standing out front hitchhiking. Yeah. saying anywhere but hollywood right okay right. let's get this straight i got it okay it was just a joke okay <laughs> man it's a joke <laughs> it's a long time ago but you know and now you can't yeah. say that i know now you can do something about uh lgbt or whatever um the thing is back in the day i've my show i've i'm a sales guy i'm a guy who does radio sales and part of that i'm a human resources guy but i got started by I want to let you a little, little bit about me. I produced Poor Man from K-Rock, and he, I did everything he he did wrong. I did it. I did I did the opposite, okay? did the opposite, and I took his audience. And they're on here. I got Zombie Wolf listening. I got Mike the Can Man. I've got Mike, my engineer. And I've got a built-in audience listening to Bob Zaney. Bob, let me ask you. When you were a kid growing up in West Covina, how in the heck did you get the balls to go up and go on the gong show? Uh, you know, it's in retrospect, I have no idea because it was the first time I ever performed in my life. You know, I talk about bands and, you know, there's those garage bands. Uh-huh. Well, I was the first bathroom mirror comedian. I practiced my whole act in front of the bathroom mirror and then I went on national TV. I'd never performed in front of an audience before. Really? So, I think young and dumb is a good term. Like Andy Kaufman, performing his room. Well, I guess. I mean, I, 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 I always 
I, I'm always ahead of the curve. Yeah. Okay. And I was reading my jokes on the gong show uh, from a list of uh, from a paper. So I was the first alternative comedian. Um, but uh, and people always ask me, Trevor, and go ahead, ask me. Ask you what? Ask was you. I gonged? Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Were you gonged? Trevor, I think it's none of your business, and I think it's questions like that's going to ruin this whole interview. No, wait. Hold on. Who gonged you? No, I didn't get gonged. Oh, you and did? And that's the beauty of it. This is, again, this leads all into the big picture. So I wasn't gonged. I was pulled off stage halfway through my act by a man dressed like a nun with a big net. So... That wasn't considered uh, – that was considered a specialty act, and I actually got paid $125.85 and uh, cents plus a waffle iron. Well, I guess what I should have asked is who were, your, who were the uh, panel that were on the, on the panel with you? Well, we're, uh, well he, that's the exciting part. It was actually J.P. Morgan, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Pat Paulson, who five years later or six years later, I actually opened for him in Bakersfield, California for a week at a club. And Pearl Bailey. <laughs> I've worked with Pearl Bailey. Now, who can say that? Yeah, no kidding. And the guy who ran for president. There you go. Yeah. Pat Paulson. Pat was a very, very funny man, a nice man. Yeah. Now, when, after that appearance, you won, or you didn't get gone. Like, I don't know. Did you win, or I don't know if you told me that. I didn't win. You got, you no, got I gone. just, I was just pulled off stage. Okay, the then, whole premise of the show is. Go. go ahead. No, I, I was going to go to something else, but go ahead. The premise of the show? The premise of the show was they had one or two really good acts, and the rest were crap, and I was one of the crap. You were. Well, that's what happened. when you went. To, did you go to a comedy club, and you said – they said you weren't ready. Now, what comedy club was that? And then you said that you're not ready. That was the Ice House in Pasadena. I was working at United Rental in West Covina, and I – I got off work early, and I drove out there at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon to showcase my act mm-hmm. in an empty room to Jan Smith, who was one of the owners. And after my set, he says, I don't think you're ready. And I turned around and looked at the empty room and said, either is your room. Yeah. Now, was that right around the same time, same age? No, this was uh, probably about four years later. Four years later. Three you're still years later. You still weren't ready. You know, I no. think about I think about those times, and you know, you had make me laugh, and you, I, I had my run-ins with Kip Adada, and some of the guys back in those times. You were kind of like in the middle, like, but you were before Eddie Murphy and all those other guys came up, and then you were the late '70s, but you were a young guy, so you weren't that you weren't that first generation or that generation before you or the generation after you. So, what was it like in that generation you grew up in? Well, I mean, most of the people who went on the bigger and better things were 10 to 15 years older than I. So, uh, I yeah, I got I got kind of caught into that group. Uh, I started going to the comedy store in 1979, right out of high school. Yeah. And the first time I showcased, it didn't happen. And then a couple more times, and I finally became a regular. And then I wasn't a regular. And then I got KLOS in Los Angeles, and that kind of turned a lot of things around. Yeah, Fraser Smith. Now. Yeah, you were on there for how many years with Fraser Smith and KLOS? I was on with Fraser for about a year and a half, and then he went to KMET, mm-hmm. and uh, so he wanted me to go with him, but KLOS didn't want me to go. They offered me the job to stay with Shauna, so I stayed another year and a half doing the Zany Report with Shauna, and uh, I also was a DJ on the weekends. Oh wow, I didn't I didn't know that because well that was eighty, what, what was that eighty one or two? 
83 to 85. 83 to 85. I was in high school then, so. All right. And then another thing I want to talk about. You know, back when they had, like, on TV and select TV, and they had paid mm. programming? I think there was another one, uh, a movie TV, like those paid programming things. And some guy said, I remember that guy, and, like, comedy, like, bootleg bootleg comedy. Did you have, like, bootleg tapes and bootleg videos? No, I, I, we did uh, with Jordan Brady, who's a pretty successful director. He was a comedian, friends of mine. He actually did two pilots with me. One was called Gorilla Bob, and it was a cartoon. It was just my lips, and that didn't go anywhere. And then the second one was uh, the Bob Zaney story, which was like the first inception of my documentary that ended up happening in uh, 2010. But uh, Bootleg was uh, just me live at the Ice House, and it was a VHS tape. That's all. VHS, good old VHS. Did you make a mm-hmm. lot of money on VHS? No. No. But uh, I, I sold some. You know, you never make a lot of money unless you, you have 80 other people selling it for you. And it's always, it was always me from the back of my truck. Yeah, that's, that was it. Like, uh, Bill, I, I had Bill Kirkenbauer on. He said he used to sell porn, like uh, VHS tape machines when they first came out. You know, and so like porn, that's all they had on there. And then, you know, then comedy comes along in the 80s. How did, how did you progress? I mean, from the 70s to the 80s, and then all those other comedians coming up. How did you work your way into the system then? Well, right before I went to the Ice House, I mean, not the Ice House, the comedy store, I went with three friends from high school, and we sat through the whole show at the comedy store in the original room. Uh-huh. And we laughed so hard, and we and and I was thinking in my head, there's no way in the world I'll be I'll be this good as these people. And then four or five years later, half of them were opening for me. Well, so yeah. you just don't know the tra- to the direction or trajectory of where you're going, but you just keep doing it. And uh, once KLOS came along, I had a name value, and all of a sudden, uh, more people were paying to see me than other acts. So I became a headliner probably too soon. That's, Without, that's kind you of know, but I, I did it. Yeah, and then were you there with Kennison and, and that group, uh, Robert Williams? And- yeah, yeah. Sam Kennison still owes me fifty bucks, so I don't know <laughs> if I'm ever going to see that. Yeah, well, I booked him. I booked him and Carl LeBeau. They called me up. This is before they hit, uh, just desperate for money, and I had this room out in uh, Ventura Club Soda, and I sent them out, and they said, Sam, pick up my fifty dollar booking fee, and Carl, pick up my twenty five dollar booking fee. So you know, I. They did the shows, and of course, they never paid me. And Sam would stand outside the comedy store and give people complete strangers a hundred dollar bill. Uh huh. Still not paying me fifty dollars. Really? So yeah, I had Bill Kinnison on. Went, yeah, he he said about Sam. You know, he used to give things away, like when he got his first car. Oh, that's why I want to talk about the Tonight Show. Did you make it to the Tonight Show? I did with Jay Leno, not with Johnny. I got very close. I was doing Star Search. And Ed McMahon, uh, this is like 1992, Ed McMahon, or 91, he said, Bob, I'm going to send over a messenger. I want you to get a tape. I'm going to get it to Jim McCauley, and I want to get you on The Tonight Show with Johnny, which was a really kind of a big deal. So, of course, I gave him the tape, and it didn't happen because the la- it was like the last six months, and everybody in the world wanted to be on the show with Johnny to say goodbye. So I, I couldn't get on. Yeah. But I was a messenger. In Hollywood, right before I got, I always say I was an ABC Messenger from 1981 to 83, and I always say I left ABC Messenger for ABC Broadcasting because they owned KLOS at the time. 
Okay, and well, I would I... deliver to Tonight Show Bungalow all the time and to Johnny's house on St. Cloud in Bel Air. I wondered about so, that. I wondered about that, that uh, email, but okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so that's where you got that. Okay, so now, okay, back in, in the mid-'80s, you had all those guys coming up, Dice and Yakov Smirnoff, and I've talked to some of those guys. Now, how did you – did you – hang with any of these people like who did who took you under or did you take anybody out of your wing or they took you out of your or their wing you know i people a lot of comedians are people i've worked with over the years but not really like a dear friend uh -huh. dice i remember before he hit he when i was on klos he would give me cassette tapes of his poems and wanted me to put them on the air oh, yeah. and I, I you know i'm a pack rat and i keep looking for him i can't find him but uh and then like uh yakov I did the Bob Zaney shows at the Ice House, and uh, we videotaped him before people were videotaping. I remember driving out. He lived in one of Mitchie's houses above the comedy store, and I drove out, and he had two Mercedes, and I, I got him to videotape. Him and I are friends over the years, so he's a good guy. My wife and I did his podcast. He has a podcast. Who doesn't have a podcast? Exactly. Several you have a podcast. I have a podcast. Everybody has a podcast, but nobody has anything to say. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're all talking yeah. about their what they ate for dinner. Um, which you can make a geek, you know, make a, a joke out of that. I've got girls here from Chicago are trying to call in. Would you like to take a call from a twenty-year-old from Chicago? Sure. I don't know. We'll find sure, out. Sure. Why not? Let's let's hear what they're all about. In twenty-year-olds in Chicago. Let's see if they come in. Well, I guess they can't. <laughs> I don't know. They called, but all right. Sorry. I think that I think that went well. That didn't go too well. <laughs> Let me see. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, okay. Let's go. Anyway, so, okay, I just want to do this interview with you because I've always I've been a, I don't want to say the word fan. I'm, I respect your comedy, and I like what you do because you're, like, you know, sarcastic, and you come off as, like, I don't give a, you know, give a shit. So, but now you're doing the dry bar. Are they a Christian? Is that a Christian uh, comedy tour where you can't use any foul language? Well, the premise is uh, Dry Bar is in um, Provo, Utah, mm -hmm. and uh, it's an actual bar that doesn't sell booze because it's it's you know Mormon country. Mm -hmm. So uh, that that's where they film it, and uh, yeah, I mean that's what they sell. They sell the clean shows, and you know I can do a clean show, I can do an adult show, I can do whatever you know I I want to do. Usually when I do a live show, I, I'm pretty I become adult, but not like crossing the line adult, but. Because I, I just think that people are there to just see a real thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're not trying to put on any any you know face or it's like. But I can be clean too. You I can mean, be it, clean. It, and again, the clean is really interesting. It's left an interpretation. Exactly. So you know, one thing's dirty to someone; it's clean to someone else. You so probably, you, you can't win on that one. You probably either. got that from the radio. No FCC violation, right? Yeah, I uh, I learned a lot about that in the radio business. Uh, what you can and can't say. Uh huh. And is it hard to hold back, or you just it's like riding a bike when you? No, skate? not at all. You just you focus. You know, one time though, Frazier uh, Frazier and I did a uh, show at the Comedy Store on his at six a.m. with comedians. Mm -hmm. So we had these comedians on the air, and they you know you're in a nightclub. You're not thinking radio. You're thinking nightclub. So a lot of them were saying the F word, and we had to edit it and stuff because it was live. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So you got so then 
Now you got into the 2000s. Now you got into that the Y2K. How did your career go in that that era? Well, that's uh, I started doing the Bob and Tom show out of Indianapolis, which was syndicated uh, at the time of about 30 stations. It got up to 200. Mm-hmm. So I was doing the Zany Report with them. And uh, so I started doing the tour. We had a tour, and we traveled all across the country performing to two to 3,000 people at a time with the other comedians from Bob and Tom. They became the Johnny Carson of radio by really you know, showcasing comedians and, and letting them be them and be funny. Yeah, and that was in the Stern era too. So, Stern, I you know, and I think Fraser Smith, he just missed the window because Fraser was so popular he could have been the next Howard Stern, but he also wanted to go a different direction with the acting and and movies and TV and all that too. So, yeah, and then you were on with the uh, the telethon with Jerry Lewis. How was that? How'd that go? That was great. Uh, I started doing that in like '92. I did actually '92. Bud Freeman at the Improv had 20 comics come in and film for the overnight, and Jerry hosted it. And, uh, you know, I did my show, and I thought it was fine. And then I'm in Hawaii the next year with my wife, and I get a call from the talent coordinator, Eddie Foy III, of, of all him. the Foy's. I've heard of him. And he uh, he said, Jerry wants you on the telephone. We're going to fly you out from Hawaii. We had the night off, so I flew to L.A., did the telephone, and then flew back to Hawaii to finish the week. And uh, the rest is history. I start. I started doing it every year, and then at one point, Jerry and had asked me to be a co-host, and uh, so I started co-hosting with Casey Kasem, and uh, I even did one. Uh, it was really interesting. Jeffrey Tamborn was the co-host one year. Norm Crosby, and every time I'd go out to the telephone and do my set, it was around midnight uh-huh. L.A. time, and Ed McMahon would stay. And be there, and for those eight minutes, I got to be Johnny Carson because Ed would help me if a joke didn't work. Or so, what was that, Bob? And you know, he'd do we do sketches together, so it was really cool. So he protected you. Did yeah. uh, okay. So when you were well, I, I want to go back a little bit though. How do you feel that your your career progressed? I mean, I mean, in your mind now, you're like you're doing like uh, you know COVID jokes and stuff like that. But throughout, you've pretty much rubbed elbows with everybody, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Not everybody, but a lot of people. It's it's kind of interesting when I you know, go back and think about it, you know, from your room. who I've worked with over the years. Yeah, from your and then room. I forget, too. I have to, I find tapes that have people's names on Oh, I worked with them. Yeah. It's been, how, many, so, how, many, uh, how many shows do you think you've done? Well, I, I once added it up a few years back. I've done over 1,000 national TV shows, and then um, radio appearances I've done over 50,000. And the interesting thing is, um, and that doesn't include local TV. I do local TV when I go on the road most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I've done probably a 1,000 of those at least, you know, like Good Morning Des Moines and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, so TV and so, and the interesting thing is I went to college at Mount San Antonio, Mount Sac in uh, Walnut. You yep. know that? Yeah, I went there one, one class and I flunked it. I didn't show up. Yep, I know oh. it. Well, usually they didn't, they didn't give you a second shot. <laughs> no, but uh, I I was going to get an AS degree, two-year degree in radio and TV broadcasting uh-huh. because that's, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And they wouldn't let me read the news on the radio station, and the signal went out to the no. parking lot. Really? 
And this is after three semesters. And I said, you know, this is kind of why I'm here. You know, even if I'm horrible, I'm here to learn, you know. So I whatever. So that that was like the my epiphany. I went, what am I doing here? Why am I wasting my time? So I was still living at home with my parents, and I moved to Studio City, got my own apartment, got the job as a messenger, and I started being a stand, I, doing stand-up at night whenever I could. And a year later, I was hired at KLOS in Los Angeles, and that's the first thing they teach you in broadcasting school. Don't think you're going to go to a, a top uh, top ten market. But you are you are in the a country. Nat. You're going to have to. Yeah, you, huh? you were a gnat. I mean, like you just wouldn't give up. It's like. Well, I don't even, you know, I'm working on the doc. I have a documentary called Close But No Cigar, and it's it it talks all about how close I got to things. Uh But it's only like 5% of my career. So I am working on the book, and I keep, I hate saying it because I, you know, but I have these notes and I'm going to put them together. Mm -hmm. But it's called Plan, plan, it's called Plan C, baby. It all started with the word no. And it's true. It's like I've I've been rejected many times, and then all of a sudden I had success. Like Star Search, I was turned down for Star Search three times. So now you... the fourth time I got on was because the producer saw me on the airplane on at the Rodney Dangerfield HBO special. Uh-huh. So I after I did an HBO special, I, he thought I was ready for a talent contest. So I got it, and uh, and I went to the semifinals. And so there, and I beat Carrot Top on the way up. Yeah, I saw that one too. And Carrot Top, Carrot Top's a really good friend of mine, and he has a show here. I live in Vegas. Mm-hmm. He has a show at the Luxor. He shows the clip of me beating him on Star Search, and now I've got people coming up to me saying, "Hey, I saw you at the Carrot Top show." <laughs> That's funny. T- so I don't have to. As long as he's working, I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anybody else that you came along with that you but you said you really don't hang out with comedians then? Who do you hang out with? Nobody. Nobody. I, I'm a loner. I'm married. My wife and I are, are best friends and we hang out. She's a comedian, very funny one on mm-hmm. in her own right. And she she works the clubs here in Vegas. They got a new room uh, at the Westgate, which used to be the Las Vegas Hilton, which was the international where Elvis started, you know, or was at. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, the comedy cabaret. I played a Laugh Factory. I played Brad Garrett's. I played Delirious. Uh, I'm forgetting the others, but uh, but I, I real we didn't move to Vegas um, to find work. We moved to Vegas because it was time to leave L.A. Yeah. Well, do you think you would have been able to find a career in anything else? Uh oh, I'm sure if I put my mind to it. And what, would, what it, would it have been? Sales? For whatever reason, this is I I, I devoted all my energy. And you know, I, I've done every. I've worn many hats in this business in the sense of producing shows, that's where I was going promoting with. shows, booking comedians, booking myself. And, and, and you know, I'm the agent. I'm the publicist. You know, I'm the manager. You know, I do all that stuff right now. Yeah, you have to fill the seats. I mean, you don't have to, but I mean, you you help fill the seats. I mean, that's not your job, yeah. but yeah, I know. And then there's a lot of guys out there that don't do that, right? They're just they just say they're the talent and that's it well it's you know everything you do it's work you know and it's not you just sit there and 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 hope for the best it doesn't work that way Mm -hmm. some some people are so good it works that way for them but that's a very small group it's a handful most of us have to work our ass off to get to wherever we want to be yeah, and that's I always cool. say my my career's been a great just straight line. You created you know, your own. World I haven't had a big, I haven't had a big peak, 
and then crash and burn and you never hear from them again, you know? Right. You created your own word of mouth pretty much. I mean, yeah. when you put the people in there, that's what you have to have people that get the word of mouth. So that you're out there. It, it's really interesting. I, last night I, I filled in, my wife wasn't feeling well and I filled in for her at the, at the comedy club delirious. Mm-hmm. And I go on stage and, uh, they didn't know I was there, and they said Bob Zaney, and the place was going nuts because they couldn't believe I was there, and they didn't advertise it. So it's kind of nice in that sense, you know, because you get a real cross-section in the country in Vegas. I mean, everybody in the world comes to Vegas. Yeah, that's it. You got everybody there coming and going, and so you get a different – yeah, cross-section. Do you uh, do you ever been to Branson? I've driven through it. Never, never <laughs> performed there? Yeah. No. Some of those guys have comedy clubs there. I think Yakov did, right? Yeah, Yakov had his own theater for many years, and I don't know if he still does or not. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not that I wouldn't perform in Branson, but it's the opportunity never, you know, never arose. Presented itself, but I, you know, I've done all fifty states. I've done thirteen countries. Um, I've even performed in Guam. In fact, I bombed in Guam before Kim Jong Un could. <laughs> I like your way you come across on these jokes. It's like you have you have a style like the one that you perform across from a what the the uh, drugstore you're performing in front of the or right across the street from a drugstore. Yeah, but you're making fun of like their their area, but yeah, sarcastic. But people like that they, when you do when you do stuff that is local that they they know you've invested some of your time into the you know where you're at. Yeah. So what is your style now? I mean, do you, I mean, you said you're like you're not doing anything blue, but tell me some some. Well, I have to see the video. I don't want to give it away. Like you got to read the book, you know. <laughs> but give me some. Well, I do have a YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, and uh, it's it's the official Bob Zaney channel. If you want to subscribe to it, and we're showing clips of my career, so you can get it. And they're shorts, so people can get an idea of my one-liners, but. The dry bar special on YouTube right now is uh, sitting over 5.6 million views, and um, it's also on dry bar. So I that's just one you know one avenue of the of who has it. I I can't even imagine like Facebook. I know a lot of people, but I there's no counter. So I it's had a lot of views. Do you think you're going to be doing anything other than comedy, like stand up, uh, like podcasts or anything like other people? No, you're not going to do I, anything. Well, I did the podcast, you know, we did over a hundred episodes, but uh-huh. that was, you know, again, if you don't have the time to really devote yourself and, and, and promote it like you do, Trevor, you do a great job. You, you pursued me. I mean, you know what it's like. You're wearing the producer's hat. Okay. But, I, uh, you know, I, I know I that. The, I, Go ahead. You, I, the I don't, podcast I don't that I did, I had an association with all my guests in the sense that I worked with them. You, you and I did it at somebody. the same time. You and I did it at the same time. I, that's when I produced Poor Man on KCAA. But um, it was a good time to do podcast then, but now I don't see it as good. I, I just see that now everybody and their brother and sister and kid and has a podcast. So, you know, what are you going to do? You can't. And, and, again, they don't even know. We're speaking a foreign language to them. They don't even know what we're talking about, right? Well, yeah, the, I I do find that like you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds don't know who Rodney Dangerfield is <laughs> or Johnny Carson, and you know that that's kind of disconcerting. 
And then the young comics who don't know, I was talking to a comic last night and somebody brought up Steve Martin and they go, who? So, you know, as each generation progress, you know, people get thrown to the back burner. If they don't study the history of all this, they're never going to know. Are you able to keep I'm reading a book on Jack, Jack Benny right now. And it's a great book about radio and about, you know, some of the things he was saying in there. I'm starting to sense, I'm getting a feel that that Frazier was doing the same thing with his radio show. It was theater of the mind, you know? You know, uh, thanks for saying that, because Jack Benny's my favorite comedian of all time, besides Bob Zaney. And, uh, well, thank you. It, uh, I've got his autograph picture looking at him right now. One, two, three, four. I, I, I'm a Jack Benny fanatic. I'll say fanatic by Jack Benny. Yeah, it, it's great what it says in the book because it's being written by Irving Feld, who was his manager after uh-huh. Jack had just passed away. And they said that Jack wasn't really a funny guy off stage. Once in a while, he was a great laugher, though. I mean, if you could make Jack laugh, he would laugh for like two, three, four minutes, you know. And George Burns was the other guy who made him laugh. Now, my Kevin Bacon number, I did do uh, a TV show in 1985, I believe it was, called uh, George Burns Comedy Week. And it was an anthology series with comedy. And I got the episode, and Steve Martin was the executive producer. So he was one of the main reasons I became a stand-up, because in high school, I graduated in 79. He was the guy. You know, Steve Martin was the guy. So here I am, you know, five, six years out of high school, and I'm being hired by the guy, the reason why I became a comic, and just learning about George Burns and what he was about, you know? Well, speaking about that, okay, so, well, George Burns, those guys were coming, they were were like the... uh, your well, I don't know. They weren't even like our four. I'd say forefathers, or what do you want to call them for comedy? They were like in the you know thirties, forties at radio, like you're listening to. Um, did you ever meet any of them? Like, were you ever on the love boat? That, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Those type of people. No, but I am friends with Bernie Coppell. Oh yeah. And uh, Ted Lange, who played Isaac, actually did my one man show. In fact, I was going to say that an analogy of podcast today was like the one man show. Uh-huh. Uh, for comedians, you know, 30 years ago, everybody had a one-man show. Yeah. But Ted Lange was my director, and uh, we did some stuff, and it didn't go anywhere, but at least I learned a lot. Have you heard the Gilbert Gottfried podcast before he passed? No, I did not. You should listen to that one. Gilbert. He interviewed all these he, old-time he, I, guys, old-time guys. Well, you know, everybody has a great story, and that's the thing, you know. I learned that from Rodney Dangerfield. I was having lunch with him at the the big kitchen, I believe it was called, at Bally's. I was in Vegas at the time. I worked for him for two years. I booked his room at the El Rancho in, in Century City, uh-huh. and uh, and I, uh, you know, obviously did his HBO special. But I'm sitting there talking to Rodney, and I was telling him something, and he said, "Man, everybody's got a story, okay?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's why he, he didn't want he didn't want to hear it. That's uh, it. You ever go? You ever go to those Hollywood collector shows where they have, they sit around the table and sign autographs? No, but I have a dear friend of mine who actually is a friend, uh, Danny, and uh, he lives in uh, LA. He's a producer and stuff, and he goes to those all the time. He'll send me a photo, yeah, of him with one of the people. Yeah, those are the kind of guys I interview on my show. I've had, uh, well, you know, Max Gale's been on and. Uh, Ronnie Shell, just a couple of them, but I don't want to name names. But I worked with I I worked with Ronnie in uh, Lake Tahoe a couple of times. He's yeah. an interesting cat. And now I got you, and you're going to be on my my list of interviews. 
Well, finally, how do I get off that list? <laughs> um, so it's, uh, but yeah, and it's again, you know, all these people. It's interesting how starting out and being a kid and watching TV in the '70s, you know, during my high school years mm-hmm. and my junior high, and all these, and I end up working with a lot of these people. Like Jimmy Walker is a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I can pick up the phone and talk to Jimmy, and we. We're actually uh, do shows together. We're going to be in Carson City at the Nugget in June, and we call it Ebony and Irony. <laughs> That's funny. Guess which one I am. I tell you, um, but I know. Uh, Jimmy's great. I mean, but uh, you know, I think about it. I, here. I am a kid, mm-hmm. and, and I've watched these TV like Welcome Back, Cotter. You know, Gabe Kaplan, and all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, maybe what was it? Fifteen years later, I'm booking comedians for Gabe Kaplan on his radio show called Sports Nugget. So Gabe became a friend. Yep, he's a gambler. I know. And then, uh, who's your favorite Charlie's Angel? Uh, why am I blanking on that? Well, it was Farrah Fawcett. I had her poster, so we'll go with her. Yeah, I wasn't a Kate Jackson. I think Jacqueline Smith was mine. <laughs> yeah. And then David Doyle. Anyways, that's that's our era, though. That's that's when we grew up. And I think back too about that because. You know, you were coming up as a kid, and I was five years behind you. Um, but I went to my, I went to a bar when I was like buying my baseball cards. Walked in and just said, "I gotta be in one of these places." Like, did you feel like that when you were a kid? Like, I gotta, gotta be in one of these places, a comedy club. Did you ever sneak in as a kid? Um, I, I'll tell you what. I people ask, you know, how I got started. Obviously, it was the Gong Show, but then I started doing shows in school. But I would go to anywhere there was a place that like had a talent contest and I can get up on stage. And I, I remember my dad was a house painter and I had two brothers and we all painted houses with him, like Easter vacation, Christmas vacation, summer weekends, you know, we would be, and then we'd be covered in paint. Uh-huh. So I'm like 18, 19 years old. And there was a talent contest at Coco's in West Covina. <laughs> and I entered. And I remember after my set, it was, it went horribly. But I remember after my set, I'm standing there going, I'm not covered in paint. This can't be that bad. Yeah. And your, what'd your dad I'm say? I'm talking about when paint was bad, Trevor. When paint, Back I know. Then, well, that paint metal, had lead in it. It had lead. Yeah, yeah and, lead, 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 lead. and dad would never tell us to wash our hands before we ate our sandwich at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when smog was smog, uh-huh. when we couldn't breathe. Well, I had smog, I was on the high school football team, and uh, we actually had a – uh, game canceled because of a smog alert. We played like two, two, uh, two touch, two, two downs, and then all of a sudden, boom, they canceled the game. So, oh, wasn't that tar- hard to breathe, boy? I, I remember that. Just like, <gasps> it was horrible. Well, the best part of it was that back in the seventies, if there was a smog alert, they would call a assembly schedule at school. Uh-huh. So we got out an hour early, and then I'd have to walk home in the height of the smog at one for a mile. So that was smart. Yeah, it's like I watched it in Dragnet. And it's like this is the city, and then it has like this smog like layer going over the over the building. Yeah, this yep. is the city. That's what we grew up. And then again, they don't. Even it's know what, what China is. looks like now. Yeah. <laughs> China, the leader of green energy. Mm. Go ahead. No, I I just like talking to you about old days, and you know, I don't know. I I just think that I think that you are. To me, you're kind of like scrambled porn, in a way. How's that? Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, the I last gotta... person who said that was on her deathbed. It was my mom. 
<laughs> no, no, no. What I mean is, you know, it's like on TV. It's like you were right. You were at that generation, and you know, when we yeah, when there were three networks. When there were three but I'll networks. Tell you, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you what a visionary I was. When I graduated from high school, you know, I was the class clown, and uh, I was just going to get my diploma because that's all. That was the only thing they wanted from us, our parents, is always get a high school diploma because my mom and dad didn't. Uh-huh. So I and my real last name is Tetral, which is French, and it's Tetro if you want to say it really nice. But anyway, the point is, I was it was a class of 200, and so I'm way back in the line. And all I'm going to do is get the diploma, make mom and dad happy. So I'm walking through all the kids, and the kids are yelling, "What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do?" And finally. I, I, I got up there. They handed me my diploma, which it wasn't. It was an empty uh, holder, and uh, I tripped, and the place went nuts. So I got a huge laugh, and then I, afterwards, you turn in your cap and gown, and they give you your actual diploma, and the principal, they said the principal is holding your diploma because you ruined the festivities, and uh, you have to go apologize to him to get it. What? Now, my brother, Tony, who was very funny at the time, and probably still is if we talk, he, Tony, said, you should go into the principal's office and, and apologize, and on the way out with your diploma trip. There you go. Yeah. You there? Put it in, yeah, put it in their face. Yeah, the guy's face. Yeah. I know. But I did it. He, I, went, I did go down to get it because my parents were very angry, and he, he was not in, so I couldn't apologize. So... At that moment, I said, you know what? I'm going to turn this into an HBO special. Now, you got to realize this is 1979. HBO was in its infancy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn this into an HBO special where I come back to West Covina and, and pick up my diploma. So 20 years later, I'm nominated Club Comic of the Year uh, for uh, the American Comedy Award, and they do these little video packages on each comic. So I went back to West Covina to get my diploma, and it was, it was my old coach who became the principal. And uh, so, in a sense, and HBO owned Comedy Central. I don't know if they still do, but it's interesting. So I was right. <laughs> you were right. Yeah, and they yell. Well, that's the thing. Times changed, and then now it's acceptable. So, yeah, that's what happens. Well, you did your first pratfall in getting your diploma. Well, and the best thing about that is, like, you know, I always tell I do I do shows where I also mentor other comics, or I'll do like. Uh, you know, people taking classes and they'll ask me questions and stuff. And I always say, look, you know, as original as you think your joke is, it's probably been done. And, uh, but the only thing truly original is you, mm-hmm. you and your life experience and the person you are on stage. No one can steal that. So anyway, I'm reading a Lou Costello book and it turns out he tripped in high school at his graduation. <laughs> yeah. So. So I didn't steal it from Lou is what I'm trying to you say. You didn't steal it from Lou Costello. No. No. Ja- Jackie Gleason? Anything about him? Well, uh, Jackie Gleason, this is the interesting thing. When I was two years old on Memorial Day, so it had to be 1963, maybe 64, 63, mm-hmm. I uh, was hit by a truck and uh, thrown 50 feet. And my mom saw the whole thing happen, and they took me to the hospital. But because I was so young and stupid— I didn't tense up, so but they did wrap me up like a mummy. And she says, I came home, and I was sitting in front of the TV laughing at Jackie Gleason. So who knows? Who knows? What are you, are you I don't your, remember. What do you and your wife laugh at? 
your podcast. No, I uh Perfect. Everybody else does too. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. You know, just sick stuff. You know, I was saying I, I wrote a joke the other day. She's I said, You can have it. She said, No, no, you do it. I said, Okay. And I did it actually last night for the first time. I said, My wife likes to go shopping at Whole Foods, not because it's organic. She just doesn't like shaving her arms and uh legs. <laughs> Do you uh and then I have my follow up which is I love going to Trader Joe's uh-huh. because Trader Joe I love watching two people with coexist bumper stickers fighting for a parking spot. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that, there you go. That's that's, a, what, that's all I got for you. But this has been know. great. I I got to get going cuz I don't want to be going. here but I'll tell you. Okay. I'll tell you. Baby. That that that's my closing line and I started doing that back in the early 80s and I had a manager who said that's not funny, and that joke kills every time I do it. <laughs> that's that's your tag. So I had to grow into that joke. All right. Well, I don't know. I just want to say one thing. You were who you were, and you you rattled my mind when I saw that postcard, and I wanted to call you. And, yeah, I took the initiative. Not knowing what would happen, I'm glad you called me back, and thank you. No, thanks for having me on, Trevor. And the folks can check me out at bobzany.net. And my YouTube channel, the official Bob Zaney channel, just type that into YouTube. You can subscribe there. And, of course, the Dry Bar special. And I'm always tweeting out at Bob Zaney uh, the information on the special so it's easier for people just to click over, you know, save a lot of time and money and concerns. And I, I want to thank you. I think your calling guests were probably the best I've ever had. <laughs> I wanted to, but guess what? The phones aren't working, so I just didn't want to ruin the show. So I mean I'm not gonna I call in a twenty I call in a twenty radio stations a week and once in a while that happens and it's usually because it was a tornado that went through the area. I don't know what happened, but anyways, at least well, they weren't those girls from Chicago. They're only twenty. They wouldn't even know who Groucho Marx was. So that wouldn't matter. No. I don't know. No, they wouldn't. No. You bet your life they wouldn't. You bet your life. That's right. Uh Fenneman. <laughs> All <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he took a lot of beating, didn't he? All right, Bob. Yeah. I hope you have a good tour and uh, good successful career. And one thing too, um, if you ever get back into radio, I'd like to be your partner. Okay. Well, listen. Send me your resume. Okay. And uh, highlight the stuff that you don't care about. All right. And listen to Trevor's Happy Hour. We'll hear this this podcast. We'll, be <laughs> a, we'll hear this podcast. You're the best, baby. Take care, buddy. All right. Thank you. But die. Good night. Bye.